Hey, beautiful listeners. Happy whatever day it is to you all. Today, we are going to be talking about competition, the best parts and the worst parts, and why does it feel so good? And I'm so excited because this time we, we have a guest speaker, and her name is Nakima. Hey, Nakima. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Nakima does a ton uh, on Twitter. She's always having these spaces that are really great and just amplify a lot of voices in tech. And so I'm super excited to talk about this topic. I wanted to start it off by, by saying, what are some of the, like, the worst parts of competition that you've seen like, in this space? Yeah, I think the worst part of competition is probably that I feel like a lot of it is probably invented <laughs> like in, internally where we think we're in competition with people and we're really not. It's, we're here to run our own race. And a lot of times what someone else is doing doesn't really have anything to do with you, but it, there's just like this atmosphere of we're all, we're all competing for, like it's the scarcity, the scarcity mindset, I think. Yeah, that is, uh, actually that is really bad. That whole idea of zero sum game. It's like, it's, it's something that you invent on your own. So in some cases, like when you put yourself in competition with others, you're just doing a disservice to yourself. Another thing kind of related to that is that you're comparing yourself to someone and you don't have the full story, you know, what do they say? Like, don't compare your your chapter one to their chapter 20. And yeah, you don't know what they've been through, what they've accomplished up until the point where you think you're competing with them. So it's really easy to create this story about how someone else is getting somewhere that you, you weren't able to get. You don't know the full story. Yeah. And then once you do that, you're like, well, I need to get this and this and this, and I need to do all of these things. And then you realize it's not even, it's not even worth your time. It's not actually what you wanted to do in the first place. Just this past month, I was like, oh, I want to compete with someone who's like three times my age. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what's going on? And this was all because like some, some things were happening in the org, some shifts. And I got into this scarcity mindset of, oh crap, if I don't have all these things, I can't advocate for my team and I can't show up. And, you know, if there was ever a conversation where it was a decision between keeping me or keeping someone else, they'd definitely pick someone else. But, it, you know, again, it's like, it's all in your mind. And then you forget that what you bring to the table and what, what's unique about you is unique to you. Do you, I have another question for you. <laughs> do you, do you think that tech is inherently competitive? Um, yes and no. I mean, because I guess it depends on what your, your motivations are, because I didn't really get into tech. Like I, I like tech, <laughs> I like computers, I like programming. And I did before it was even a consideration for my career. I didn't want to do it as a career. I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be a dancer, but I always liked computers. I always liked like a I took every every opportunity I could to like get my hands on computers. But I do feel like there is some like inherent competition because there's so there's such a wide like there's such a variety of people who are coming into tech from all of these different 
starting points. You know, there are people on a college track. There are people who are self-teaching with the intent to get a job, all kinds of stuff, you know, coding schools, all of that. But I think having so many people coming from all of these different, like converging <laughs> from all these different directions makes it inherently competitive because the wage, the wage, the potential wages that you can earn in tech, it feels like really almost unique in a way because you've got people with PhDs and you've got people with no degrees like myself and all of us can make like money that doctors make and lawyers make and like the high wages like plus that like there's no real like at least in the United States, there's no like certification or anything where you can say like, I'm a speaking certified. of software, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm an official software engineer. Like no, not, there's no like body in the United States that says like you can call yourself a software engineer or not. The fact that we have these really high wage jobs and that kind of anyone I don't want to say anyone can do it. I hate when people say that but like a lot of people can <laughs> can come in and like get those salaries it feels like the stakes are high you're also yeah you're competing with people who have like I said I've interviewed with people who are PhDs and I've interviewed with people who don't have degrees so like yeah. it's easy to feel like okay, here I am with no degree and I'm competing for this spot with someone who has multiple. So it, I think I do feel it's inherently competitive. Oh, you brought up something else that was interesting as well that I wanted to touch on. And it was the <laughs> idea of competitive salaries because even companies, uh -huh. tech companies themselves are competing with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> there's several layers of this. Oh my gosh. A good thing to bring up too is the fact that there's just... You know, in, in any given opportunity, you could have so many different people apply for it and you know, to, to almost feel like, oh, there's one spot. So like what happens happens when there's there's tons of people applying? I, I, I wonder, like, what are some of the pitfalls of this like air of competitiveness or rivalry with other people? Um, I just think in general, it's not it's not good for your your mental state, you know, like to, to like, what's the, the phrase, like comparison is the thief of joy. It's just, Ooh, it doesn't yeah. feel good. You know, it doesn't feel good when you, you're measuring yourself up to your idea of what someone else is. Cause you don't, you really don't know, like we said earlier. And, um, what's the question? <laughs> no worries no worries like what are what are the pitfalls of of getting into that mentality and like what do you think well here's a better question what do you think competition is really proving to us to ourselves i try to i try to avoid getting into that competitive mindset because again like once i start comparing myself to others usually i land on feeling like i'm not as good so I'm not one of the people who have really high confidence <laughs> uh, just naturally. Um, so when I start comparing myself, I start looking at the ways that I might not measure up. So 
to me, it's best to avoid that whole, that whole train of thought because if, yeah, because like I said, I'm working on my confidence all the time. Like it's a work in progress and I know that it's not going to, to lead me somewhere good. <laughs> I'm not going to like compare myself to someone else and be like, yeah. I got this. I'm going to be oh. like, if they have X, Y, Z and I only have one, two and three, you know? So mm -hmm. I think I forgot the question again, but <laughs> <laughs> no, this is, this is a good spot because it's almost, and you're answering the question because it, it feels almost as if when you're comparing yourself, you're almost like you're doing it to almost prove to yourself like, oh, well, I'm not good enough. So I can't possibly compete or I can't possibly mm -hmm. like measure up to this random ruler or this random grid that I have set up for myself of like what progress should look like. Right. And I, I think that's one of the things that's like that ends up being a pitfall almost because competition is like a way to measure progress. Right. Like if you can tangibly see that you're getting ahead of someone else, then you, you've proven this is progress in the sense of, oh, I've compared it to someone else's progress now. And because I've made progress, <laughs> but you know, progress is not, that's the other thing is, is like progress is not always linear and it's not always in a direction that you want to actually go into. I do think like I have a personal example because uh, like I said, I came into tech, I'm one of the so-called non-traditional tech people and I would leave a lot off of my resume because I didn't feel like it counted. Like, and I felt so much better about myself when I started putting the things that I was putting a lot of time and energy and like love into like the work I was doing. Um, when I started putting those things and like writing them down on my resume, I felt like, because I would look at my resume and like, there's nothing here. Like all I have is this, you know, certificate from years ago and like mm -hmm. a couple of projects because I was leaving out all of the stuff that I was really spending my time on. So I feel like when you're, when you put yourself in competition with people who have lived a completely different life than you have, you can easily miss out on like those things that make you shine because you're, you have a unique experience and that's one of the things that, again, like confidence is one thing, but I was getting like uh, resume advice um, from a, another developer advocate. And one of the first things he asked me was, uh, how much experience do you have shipping code to production? And I was like, oh, almost zero. I said that immediately. Like last year I worked on the Spinnaker IO website and I, push that to production. It's up there right now. And I didn't count that <laughs> for some reason. He was like, don't tell people you don't have experience. Like that's actually experience. Write that down. So I think when you're focused on what other people are doing or other companies are doing, then it's easy to forget like the race you're running, the things that you're doing and like how that is unique and valuable. Cause it's like, no, I never had a PhD, but you know, that PhD hasn't done the things I've done. So like, yeah, there's no use in comparing it. Yeah. I love that. I, I love that. You also said that you, you almost forgot like 
you forgot about yourself like you forgot what you were spending your time on because you were just so focused on trying to figure out well how do I how do I show up in the ways that they like other people want me to show up right like and and that's that's the hard part is like you're like oh well I, I want to tailor fit all of my answers and my experiences in this way because I think this is what they want for me but in in true like reality we don't know what people want I mean sometimes people don't even know what they want <laughs> when they show up to you know the, these spaces or like in interviews or you know pretty much in, in life in general too so I, I think it's something that is worth thinking about as well is like what kinds of questions can I ask myself and how well can I answer them for myself right like and that's that's what's going to keep you really true to like what it is that you want to do and try to avoid some of the pitfalls that come with being in competitive industries or competitive spaces because I, I don't I don't know about you but there's like some, sometimes you come in and you're like well I'm the only one in this space so I have to shine or I have to be better than other people better right quote unquote in in like all of the the senses right like all the career ladders all of all of the certifications all the qualifications and, and whatnot but at the end of the day it, it most times it doesn't even matter and it, it's like what you said the people who've spent x amount of time doing a phd they have a phd now but they didn't you know they weren't you they didn't you weren't them either and you weren't spending like x amount of time getting a phd but you were spending x amount of time building skills in other areas um so yeah i, I think that's that's a that's something to take away as well um but yeah i i did also want to like ask you these days how do how do other people around you in your space doing similar things inspire you or bring the best out of you in in like not a competitive way but just in a different way um i mean personally i love to see people winning <laughs> so I feel like sometimes like when I'm able to encourage other people or, you know, cheer for other people in like a public way, it's a way for me to hear it myself. <laughs> so, you know, like self-talk is, is hard because it's so, it can go so deep. Like there's all these layers of like, and a lot of it, unfortunately can be negative. So when I'm speaking out loud and I'm saying like, you're doing great, like you're, um, you know, I'm so, I'm happy to see you winning. All of these things that I say to encourage people who are doing the things that I want to be doing or um, I have done, I feel like it's almost selfish in a way because like I get to hear it myself. So if I get to say like, I love your work. I love you. I think you're great. I think like, I'm so happy to see you succeeding. I get to hear that too. And it's, it's hard to like tell yourself internally good things, but, and also like, again, it's not completely selfish because I mean it and I get to help someone else. So like, if someone else feels good, it's just like extra wins. Right. But I do feel like sometimes I'm kinder to other people than I am to myself. So getting to um, to loudly <laughs> express 
how impressed I am by people. Like I get to also hear that message. It's it. I, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> no, that does. Cause you're almost, you're making the environment, right? And then you're, you're at the center of it, spreading all of this positivity and you get to be in the center of it. And of course, like how you spend your time and how you lift other people up is also a reflection of you, right? And even if it's not 100% a reflection of you just yet, it could be like the future you, right? How you truly feel on the inside and how you truly talk to yourself. I'm, and I'm a big proponent of that too. So you're making me a little emotional. But, you, you know, I and one thing is like, sometimes it can feel, you, you can almost feel like you're slipping back into scarcity when you see other people doing the work that you want to be doing. But then it's, you have to realize and get curious about it. Do I feel like, I want to do that work as well. Like, what is the calling here? And the more that you're true to yourself, the more you can also be true to other people. So I like how it's it's like a two-way street, right? It's it's for lifting other people up, seeing other people, but it's also like at the end of the day to see yourself too. And I think that's really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, you just reminded <laughs> me of something because I do slip, like, you know, like I don't want to like, present like I'm like this perfect peaceful being <laughs> because there are times where I see I you know what is it jealousy and envy will <laughs> pop up and I have matured to the point where it's like when I start feeling these things it means something those feelings of envy are not about that person it's about you so like how do you what do you do when that pops up yeah, now that I'm more mature, I think I just take it as a reminder of work on your stuff, like do your stuff, do your thing, tell people about it. And those feelings of envy or jealousy, it's just an indicator that like, okay, yeah, that's something that I want for myself. So let's go after it. And then I also try to, um, since I am mature, <laughs> I try to like, find a way to be happy for that person. You know, like if, if I don't say it to them, like say it to myself, like, you know what, they did that and I can do that too. So I'm going to be happy for them and I'm going to work on my own stuff. That's such a great practical tip for like when you feel <laughs> that way, because like at the end of the day too, like when that's the thing, it's like, of course you're going to feel like an urge some sort of feeling that comes up when you see someone doing what you want to be doing because it's affirming that it's possible you know it's like oh I I'm just like it's it could be a possibility for me and it's just like that piece of you that's like longing for that and I think it's like it's beautiful but also hurts like when you're going through it because you're like oh crap I'm not doing enough I'm not so you can either sink down to the level of like I'm not doing enough I need to do all the things or you can get curious and you're like oh how can I do it my way or how can I like build out a narrative or a devotion to myself to show up in the way that I, I want to show up in such a way that like it makes me feel envy when I see other people you know or that made no sense <laughs> that made no sense but you all know what I'm saying no I, I think like that's that's also like I feel like the benefits of being in a space where you see other people doing what you want to be doing right there's a sense of like oh it's possible for me or I'm just like a few steps away because I see myself being able to do that work it's just a few tangible it's just some time you know and I, I think that's a, a another thing a, a theme that we also might have talked about in the podcast but it's just like everyone has their own time 
you know, and it, it comes to them. It, 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 everyone's like, it's like you said, like someone's chapter one is different from sh someone's chapter 20 and you never know what chapter you're, well, you do know what chapters you're on, I feel like, but you know, you, you, you don't know what chapter anyone else is on. Yeah, I'm rambling, but <laughs> it's a, it's interesting. I just got like the thought about how we're kind of like, we're having this human experience and like on the surface, it feels like we're all like so different, but when you look a little like zoom out, like the human experience is kind of like this shared experience. And I'm like job searching is top of mind for me because I'm between jobs. Um, but like when I think about it, like I'm a human and another human is going to, or, you know, another set of humans maybe <laughs> is go are going to like make the decision to hire me. Like, and I, I think like, yeah, when we zoom out, like we're not all that different. Like we all, you know, have emotions and feelings and like when people are kind to us and, you know, like, yeah, yeah. And I think it's easy to feel like I'm so different from this person. Um, but like in reality, we're, um, that's kind of like, I was just on another podcast and they were, they ask what your superpower is. And it took me a couple of years <laughs> to like realize this, but it's like connecting to people with authenticity. When you are authentic and you show up as yourself, you give other people permission to do that. So yeah. I think like taking down like all of the labels and all of that stuff, I'm not one who says like, you know, it doesn't matter <laughs> what you look like or, or like, you know, your background, like it does. That's also part of the human experience. But I think there are ways to kind of like take down those barriers that we put in front of ourselves and see each other for, for people first. Yeah. I, I don't want to like sugarcoat, like, yeah, racism, sexism, all of the isms are there and real and a pain in my ass right now. So I don't want to say like yeah. that, like, you know, it doesn't matter what color you are. It does. But you know, when we zoom out, yeah, like what really matters is that we're, we're humans having this human experience. And at the end of the day, we do have more in common than we have differences. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it was in a Twitter space or something, but, or maybe it was in a book I read. I'm not sure where I saw it, but it was this weekend. I saw a comment or I heard a comment that was like, we all live the same life. And I was like, oh, what you just said connects that so well. And I'm just like, we do. We all, you know, we all are born at a certain level, like with a certain set level of difficulties, right? And challenges. And we all solve our, like we all live our lives solving so solving some of these challenges. And then different levels of it, right? With with like racism, sex, like all the isms, like you said. But at the end of the day too, like, you know, we are all kind of moving through life in similar ways. And there's this idea of like also a collective and how people feel within the industry or within the space that I think like this, this topic in particular touches a lot on, on those, those pieces, right? Because <clears throat> one of the things that competition does is bring us 
closer to each other in that way where it's like oh we're able to notice other people and we're able to see certain aspects and we're like oh well I want to integrate it because it feels like part of my life but there's also a part of me that needs to learn these lessons of like how do I do it in my own unique way or how do I make this my superpower and I I think that that's like one of the things I still don't know how to answer either (laughs) so I'm happy to hear that you have like you're like oh I feel like I'm at the point now where I can answer like what is my superpower but I I know that there's a lot of people who are still going on this journey of like self-discovery and like what is my superpower so I was wondering if you had any tips around that um I think I do but I also my brain just popped back to (laughs) the point that I was trying to make that I forgot to make which was like you know how um oh about the human experience, like how, like the fastest mile, like like you've heard that story, right? Where like- No, what fast, is this? The, like the world record for like the fastest mile, like running or something like that. Once the record was broken by one person, very quickly after a bunch of other people broke that record. So it's like once we as humans see something is possible like another human has done this thing it unlocks it for the rest of us (laughs) so like like when you're thinking about competition it's like okay so another person has done that it's possible I can do that too and I know I said that earlier but I didn't connect it to like the record breaking but (laughs) god I'm dying over here (laughs) it's so true Sometimes I say these things and I'm like, oh, I just need one good example. And then the guests in here come in and they're like, oh, did you hear about this one thing? And I'm like, what? No, this is what I needed. I I had, like the facts about it because it's a cool story. But yeah. Yeah. You're dropping facts here. That's one of the, the perks of ADHD is like brain just goes everywhere and makes these connections. <laughs> oh, But yeah, superpowers. Yeah, again, I had to kind of recognize the things that come effortlessly. And I call my superpower a mutant superpower because it's not always, doesn't always feel good. <laughs> it's not always like convenient to to be open and vulnerable, but I can't turn it off. So it's my mutant superpower that like sometimes I would like to just shut off from things and not be so sensitive and not be so, you know, touched (laughs) by things. Um, But I think finding your superpower, a tip is like, look for what comes easily to you, like so easily that you don't even think about it because I'm never going out and saying, well, today you're going to like do your best to be authentic. Like it's just what comes naturally. So I think that could be anything. Like if you're an amazing singer and like, it's just what you do, you just sing and like beautiful sounds come out and like you never had to train or anything like that. Like that could be a superpower. Um, I think even like, I think ADHD comes with a lot of mutant superpowers (laughs) where like it's definitely disabling in a lot of cases, but other times it's like, oh, like this brain is, amazing because like I'm making connections that I don't see other people making or I'm I can like 
go deep on something if I if I have that interest and hyper focus. And it's not anything that I've trained myself to do. It's just the way my brain works. So I think finding those things that just come, just flow naturally from you and like finding a way to put, finding the positive spin on that. Because like I said, it's a, it can be a double-edged sword. Like sometimes the things that come naturally can bring difficulty, but there's another side to it where it's like, oh, there's something special here and it's unique to me. Mm. I love that. I love that you also call it a mutant superpower <laughs> because it's true. It's, it's true. Sometimes like the things that you struggle with the most are like what you're meant to do or like spend your time in, right? Yeah. yeah. I say that because I, I, <laughs> I've like come to realize the things that come naturally to me were like the areas that I struggled in the most when I was younger, like the areas that I, I couldn't come to grasp on, couldn't like figure out, well, how do I actually use this to like my advantage or how do I, how do I explore this area in a safe, like, under, like way that I, I can actually feel good coming out of it and see like the progress that I make in this area. And for the longest time, like I couldn't see any healthy progress in myself. So I'd, I'd beat myself up for it. And I, I'd be like, well, I'll just take the back whenever opportunities came up for me to uh, do things like public speaking or being in the community, I'd just be like, well, I'll just take a back seat because um, usually like, you know, I'm always in toxic communities or like this doesn't end up the way that I want it to. And you're like, you're obviously like when you get into that spiral you're your worst own critic you know you, you're like oh well no that's just not for me and it took me a really long time to like undo a lot of that because I always kept saying like nope I'll just take a backseat I don't want to step on anyone's toes I, I'll just stay in the back you know and that just does such a big disservice to you because now you're not you're not willing to bring up like the things that come come up nat like the skills that come up naturally to you so you're not growing them and you're like well I'll spend my time in this area and then you realize like I'm not happy I'm not really even this doesn't even come naturally to me and you know it's like this whole coming of age process that you have to go through a lot of times so I love that you just you just sh shared it and was like yeah it's kind of a mutant superpower because you can't turn it off and I'm like that's true you can't help like feeling inside like oh there's there's something here for me but you know, sometimes you just make the active decision to be like, I'll take a back seat. And that was, that was me for the longest time. And that's why I have to bring it up. <laughs> yeah. Like you're reminding me, like I fought it so hard too. <laughs> like I just, it, it's like the thing that you, you struggle with and you fight it. And like, once I just allowed myself to, to just be the way I am, it was so much easier and like things just started to flow. But yeah, I fought it so hard. I was like, I would, and like I said, it's the, it's, I can't turn it off. So I would be like emoting and crying in public and I would do public speaking and be so nervous and shaking and sweating and all of that crying. Like literally it was such a mess, <laughs> but I would cry and like force a smile or I would cry and like cover my face and I fought it so hard. And I kind of started to recognize that like, even though I was fighting it, like when I would get up and do those things that were so hard for me, people were never, they weren't mean about it. Like 
it was almost like they respected it. And I was like, what is going on here? Do you see what a mess I am? But I just at some point leaned into it. And luckily, I mean, it feels like when you're in those, when you're fighting it and when you're working through things and like building your skills on something that's hard, it feels like this is always going to be awful and terrible, but I can even see the progress myself over even the last three years where I like, I would be so nervous to do this podcast. <laughs> like three years ago, I would be, I would have a knot in my stomach before this call. And today, I mean, I'm just tired. <laughs> it's just a bit <laughs> that I don't feel totally like, it, it does get better. And like, people will tell you that, like, keep doing it. It gets better. And you're like, yeah, I don't think so. But when you zoom out again, like you keep doing it and it does get better. Like even with my Twitter spaces, I started doing Twitter spaces like regularly in December. So that was a couple months ago when I did like my first 10, even it was nerve wracking. It, I don't know how to describe it, but I have done these podcast interviews and stuff before I've been on zoom calls, you know, I've done job interviews, but like that felt different. And I think maybe it felt different because Twitter is like my main social media. That's where most of my people are. I call my people like the people I interact with <laughs> being on an audio platform for the first time with my people. Cause I was on clubhouse too. I never really got into that. Like it was pandemic. So like I spent a few days like binging it. And then I was like, eh, does it feel good? And my people weren't there, but now like Twitter is where my people are. So it felt, I don't know, like it felt like the stakes were higher and I was nervous. Like I would, I would start a room and people would like pop in. Like I'd, it would be just be me in the room. Someone will pop in and like pop out. It's like, oh, like I'll start talking and it feels really awkward and they'll just leave. And I'm like, okay, and it's a recorded space. So I don't ever adjust the recording. So you probably hear like the first few minutes are like, oh, hi. And then I'm reading the username. So, and so I am starting a space on blah, blah, blah. And like, they leave. And I'm like, oh, they left. So it was so awkward and- <laughs> I'm dying, sorry. <laughs> it was so awkward and like nerve wracking to start. And I was like, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. And now it's like, I'm in spaces all day long. I'm unemployed, so I've got time. <laughs> but like, I'm in spaces all the time and I can just like pop one open. There's no knot in my stomach. Actually doing the things that are hard that you know you can do, it's hard, but it does get better. And when you're in it, you don't want to hear that. Like people are like, it gets better, keep doing it. But it's like, yeah, okay, for you maybe. But it, it actually has gotten better. <laughs> <laughs> you, maybe. This reminded me so much of, well, this is very nicely timed, right? Because uh, the Olympics are ongoing and it really made me think of like an athlete, right? A lot of times people have performance anxiety or pre-competition nerves, but the reality of it is like the more you practice, the more you, and then you, you go and do it and you have physical proof. It's like, it solidifies in your head, like, a certain level of performance or a certain level of skills like to be able to do xyz or whatever it is that you put your mind to so that's really beautiful that you connected it to 
I don't know, everything that people experience, right? Like when they show up or when they do something new, it's always going to be a little bit nerve wracking or there's always going to, your, your body's always going to want to try to keep you safe. Like whether it's through your emotions or like feeling like knots in your stomach, right? It's, it's at the end of the day, just like encouraging your body's encouraging yourself to stay comfortable, to go back to, you know, normal or what's normal to you. Right. And each time you go out of your comfort zone, you're, you're almost shifting your mindset of what's normal or what your body thinks is normal. Oh gosh. Okay. My brain just jumped someplace else. <laughs> Actually I've made two jumps, but the first jump was creative work. I don't know how, what kind of creative work you do. I know it's something, <laughs> but um, I just know, I mean, I'm just assuming that, and I think I'm right that you do something creative, but like when you're doing creative work and ah. Uh, why does my brain work like this? I know the name of the person. Okay, Ira Glass has like a talk. There's a video. I should find it and send it to you. Maybe you can put it in the show notes. He's talking about how like when you're you're getting started, like your your taste is great. Like you have like an eye for like what looks good. Your skills don't match up with your taste. So like when you're like doing the thing, so like if you're an artist, let's say you're an artist and you like, you know what, what good art looks like, but you start making the art and it doesn't match up. And I don't know if, if he talks about it in that talk or not, but something that a lot of creative folks talk about is like, you just have to like, get the shitty work out of the way, like do 10,000 shitty drawings and like, be okay with like knowing that those drawings are not going to be masterpieces. Like, I think an artist like described it as like a magic pencil or something, right? Like you don't get to the good art until you do 10,000 shitty drawings before like your pencil will like start to make the good art. Like you have to get them out of the way. I think with creative work, like we should just be thinking, yeah, should is a bad word, but we could reframe it as this is a process that it's going to take before it gets good, right? So you you fall. Oh, and that came up in like the learning how to learn course. Have you done that? There's okay, you're telling me all these things. Okay, yeah. Like I said, this is the mutant superpower, right? <laughs> like all these. <laughs> but um, I took the learning how to learn course on Coursera, and they say focus on process, not product. So fall in love with the process of drawing like until yeah. it becomes like the thing that you do like don't worry about the the product and they were talking about using like the pomodoro technique to like get start like get past pro uh procrastination and things like that so they were saying don't focus on i'm going to finish this essay at the end of the hour focus on i'm going to write for an hour um but yeah like with creative work yeah, it helps to think like, this is going to suck. And then, you know, one day you're going to look up and it's going to be like, oh, this is actually pretty okay. And then it's going to be like, oh, this is actually almost good. So falling in love with that process helps. And then again, we're not comparing like that person who's creating the masterpiece probably has put in 10,000 hours and you're on hour five. So you can't compare. The other thing, I already forgot it because I was talking too much, <laughs> but I, 
I'll summarize while you think of it because I think this is so great. And you just, you literally, oh man, you touch on so many different things that I've just been thinking of myself too, because you are right. As a creative, I used to think like, well, I'm so creative. I have this thing in my mind. I can just put it into reality. Like it would just be as simple as this. But the reality of it is the truth of it is the way that things work, right? Life rules or universal laws. You can't skip the steps. You have to do the work. So if there's this proverbial number of times that you have to fail before you can actually succeed, then you have to do that. You know, it's just the um, currency for success, right, is practice, is putting in the work. And I love that you shared in this example, it was withdrawing, but it's it's the same with other pieces. It's the same everywhere. You know, I, I remember public speaking was one of the things I just had to get done. You know, podcasting had to get done. Like we had to start somewhere. I remember like one of my first podcast recordings asked to do a third re-recording. Like I, <laughs> I had to take three takes and every single time I did it, it was worse. I was like, oh, I should have just kept it. What's wrong with me? So I, I like that you mentioned that because it's it's the currency for success. You sometimes you do have to trade in your first attempts for something better, you know, and, and that's that's the thing is if you're willing to let go of what you have, like willing to let go of the your your current progress or your current like attempts, then you can get something better out of that, right? But you just have to be willing to like shed some sense of pride almost or ego that this is gonna have this is gonna be perfect or this is gonna be exactly what I envisioned because again it, it's just not how it works and I love that you also said you can detach from the deliverable or the output right and just kind of like think about the process or how do you want to feel during this journey and I, I think that's so beautiful because it opens yourself up to more opportunities of like what this could look like you know maybe the thing that you envisioned isn't what you actually produce but it's something better beautiful to just kind of let go of like oh it has to be a certain way or it has to look a certain way whenever I'm trying to make progress because you know progress can look like anything a lot of the times and there's so many times when I was like well I'm gonna build this thing and it's gonna look like this but like the the true takeaways or like that time that I spent working on it my main takeaway was like something more that this is something I can take with me on whatever projects I work on. And it it doesn't have to be like only about the thing that I built. And I, I mean, I personally really like that. So I hope this, (laughs) this is a good summary of what you were saying. I know that there was another point that your brain was going to. I think I do remember. I think it was, uh, (laughs) I guess back to the, the human experience, like, if you were a baby, we were all babies. <laughs> if you were a baby that learned how to walk, you stumbled, you fell. Well, first you crawled, to, probably. <laughs> I think most of us crawled before we walked. What if they uh, walked and didn't crawl? That was so scary. I think I have heard of babies that do stuff like that, but I'm, I'm just going to say if. <laughs> but like, if you were a baby who learned how to walk, you didn't just like, go from lying down on your back one day to like sprinting across the room like it was wobbly it was awkward you fell like you had fingers like someone held you your your little fingers and helped you walk we don't tell that baby like uh you fell I guess it's over for you don't even try walking anymore just stay down there when we get to be adults we kind of do that we're like oh I failed I guess this is it for me when in reality it's it's seems like it's more like that 
baby learning how to walk. Like you're going to be wobbly. You're going to be unsure. You're going to fall, but you keep getting up. And like babies are so motivated to walk because they're like mobile. As adults, like it gets easier to forget like how growth happens, you know, like growth, growth can be painful (laughs) and growth can be awkward. And even as adults, we still have opportunities to grow, but we can easily like shut ourselves off from it because it's uncomfortable and it's awkward and it's wobbly. I know we're almost at time, but like going back to competition, I do think that it is a real thing. Like there are like real situations, like you mentioned the the Olympics, like that's a competition, but even in the Olympics, you're the one running the race. Like you're not going to be focusing on what the other bodies next to you are doing. Like you're focusing on running your race. Even in like real situations of competition, you know, the ones that aren't just like all in our heads, it's still kind of in our heads. Like it's still like we, we choose what to focus on and it's probably best to focus on what you're doing rather than what the other person, company, candidate, runner is doing. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I love what you shared about even just acknowledging like needs to be done. Like we see babies and we know even if the process is wobbly and it's not, you know, it's not straightforward and progress looks very different. We know like you're meant to walk, like to be able to apply that to like adult life too. It's like, we're meant to work on these things that we want to work on and make these achievements that we want to work towards. And I, I love that this podcast episode really touched on some of these topics and in the context of competition and in spaces where it feels like there's a lot of competition or there's a lot of comparison. So I want to thank you again for being a guest on this podcast series. Everyone, Asleep by the Laptop is a podcast series all about topics that keep us up late at night and Googling. So I hope that this conversation was super helpful and brought some clarity into maybe this topic that has been keeping you all up at night. With that, I want to say thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast series, give it a five-star review. And go follow Nakima on Twitter. Her handle is... Dev underscore Nakima. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Give her a follow. She is wonderful. She talks about these different kinds of topics um, and the tech community, uh, with the tech community on Twitter, on Twitter spaces. So you can follow her and just give her a big shout out. (laughs) Alrighty. Thanks, Nakima. uh, And thank you, everyone. We will see you in the next episode.